0: Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 smart bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. It's our ultimate Sleep Number event. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. it to him all, day. all day, you know what's up, welcome to Birdland, Birdland. when I lose, we bringing it to you always. always, you know what's up, welcome to Birdland, orange or black, we rebuild the pack, no matter where we at, you know we coming back, section 336, we on this, so tune in, you know what's up, welcome to Birdland, yeah, yeah, welcome to Birdland, you know what's up, welcome to Birdland, Birdland, now. Here come the boys from Section 336.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I am your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Sroka, and as always, I'm joined by the button lover, Josh Sroka.
2: I am loving these tutorials. Are you? all uh, All these scrubs. And guys that no one else wants, I'm loving the fight in this team. And uh, I am really enjoying watching this team. I feel like they can always come back. As we're recording, they're down 4-0. It's only the 4th, so I feel like I'm not concerned. I am loving this team. So, I don't know how you're feeling. I mean, there's a good chance that they pass your predicted win total this week. Yeah, so. hey, hey, I'm thrilled about it. I, I never want them to
1: lose. I want them to win every game. And you're right. This team does have the offense that makes you feel like they're always in the The fight. Yeah.
2: The fight that seems like they're always trying. Um, Now, we can talk later about whether or not you're trying when you put Chris Davis in to pinch hit in a one-run game. But uh, it does feel like they're always trying and they're fighting together.
1: And and it helps when you have a bunch of guys who are having career years offensively. It helps when you have... You can hit home runs. You have Santander hitting home runs like it's nothing. You have Severino, who's has five home runs. Last year, I think he had 13 the whole season, already mm-hmm. have, has five. Yep. Um, so when you have these guys producing, it, it does. I mean, you're in every game.
2: And that's what I'm wondering. With all the producing on both sides of the ball, pitchers who are doing way better than they should be, it really makes me wonder about the coaching and what the coaching is doing different this year. But... Before we get into all that, I do want to speak to the things I love. I want to highlight our 336er of the week. Uh, started this last week. And this week, the 336er is Greg Herpel, who signed up this week over at 336er.com to support Section 336, where for $3.36 a month, you can help us out. So you're saving all that money going to the ballpark. Be like Greg. Go to 336ER.com and help us out. For the price
1: of a fifth of a beer at the
2: stadium. <laughs> I know. I was trying to think of anything I could compare $3.36 to at the stadium, and I'm like, nope, cheaper than a ticket, cheaper than parking, cheaper than a concession. Maybe you can get something over in the kids' concessions for this price.
1: Maybe that's how much a hot dog costs on dollar hot dog night. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right, right, for the price of three hot dogs on dollar hot dog night. Yeah, that, that's like, no, like, I
1: feel like, like you go in the dollar store, you expect everything to be the dollar. You know it's not. They got things for $20 in the
2: dollar store. That's not right. Oh, like uh, Five th- Below. Five Below that has a $10 section, a $20 section? Yeah. You can't have your scum. name
1: be Five Below and have things above right. five, just like you can't have your name be the dollar store and have not everything. Change it to the
2: $20 store if well, that's what you I always understood the dollar store just like Dollar General because they never said $1 General. It's Dollar General, well, so then everything it, has a dollar in it. It
1: should be a chain, No, no change. They should round everything up to, to the dollar. Yes,
2: and you can't have your logo be like a $1 bill. Yeah. Because that's what some of those stores would do, and then it's crap. Yeah. Um, I think real $1 stores went away. Those were, we had those when we were kids, and I don't think they exist anymore.
1: Yeah, they went the way of Hollywood
2: videos and blockbusters. Right, right, right. And pick your flick. Uh, I guess, Sure. I don't know. Did they go away or did they just increase their prices? What, the dollar store? Yeah, yeah. Right. The dollar stores just became Five Below. It became the $5 store. Right, and the Blockbuster
1: just became Netflix. Mm, all right, fine. All right. All right. Sure. Well, you know, Blockbuster was Netflix for a while. Now it's not real. But before, right, original Netflix, you had to send out for the DVDs.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. So, okay. Yes, block, Netflix took and expanded on Blockbuster's uh, vision, where I don't think Five Below expanded the dollar store's vision. They just stole it and made everything $5 instead of $1. Yeah. It's just and an, now they've done
1: right. Yeah. But I just started watching the Umbrella Academy on Netflix last night. You watched oh, that show?
2: I, I did. I, I watched... Wait, you on season one?
1: Yeah, I just watched okay. the first two
2: episodes. I, uh, I did... I did. I enjoyed. I enjoyed. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it yet. It's worth. It's worth sticking it out. Yeah, I liked it. I watched both seasons, but I found a Netflix show this weekend that I loved. What's that? And I watched the entire season this past weekend. The Outer Banks. No, though I do like The Outer Banks. (laughs) It's nothing like The Outer Banks, but I did like that show, too. No, it's called Teenage Bounty Hunters.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard people talking about that.
2: Yeah. I was very impressed, very surprised. It was very enjoyable. I'm a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Is it in that vein? I or don't no. know. I don't, no, no, no. Because it's no paranormal stuff or anything. Oh, it's anything. no paranormal? No, uh-huh. no. It's two, it's two girls, two twin sisters that have a run-in with a bounty hunter and then realize they can make money being bounty hunters.
1: Oh, Oh, so, so it's kind of like your Ozark type deal.
2: Uh, it's not as dark. It's more enjoyable. It's a, they go to a Christian private high school. So it's kind of balancing like Christianity and being a teenage girl and bounty hunting. Okay. Yeah, okay. you know, Your typical, typical teenage girl.
1: Yeah. Well, that's kind of what Buffy was dealing with, except it was vampires, not a bounty <laughs> Right,
2: right, right. Um, and it's yeah. got Dwayne Wayne in it. Dwayne Wayne? Uh, Dwayne from a different world. You know the Cosby Show spinoff, or oh, you'll yeah, find yeah, too yeah. little. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know the guy with the glasses. Yeah, but he's now like he ate himself. He's a big guy now. Oh really? Yeah. Good for him. So he's enjoying life.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm a fan. So, but we should probably talk some Orioles. Yeah, Josh, I think this upcoming series with the Blue Jays. I think yeah. tonight's game is was. The biggest game of the season. It is right now for us watching now. It, it, it was for people listening to the podcast tomorrow. It was the biggest game of the season. I think the next two weeks will determine the entire season. I agree. I, I think this series is one of the biggest seasons, series, probably the biggest series of the year up to this date. Yeah. Um, it, it's all huge with the playoff implications galore. And I said today, I think, is the biggest game, or yesterday, Monday. Monday's game, I think, is the biggest because you have Alex Cobb throwing. So you also have, like, his viability as a trade candidate kind of on the line at every start. Because he's only going to have a couple more starts before the trade deadline's here. Right. So it's a huge start for him. I hope he doesn't do anything dumb like give up a three-run bomb. Um, So it's a huge start for him. And then for the Orioles, we talk about playoffs.
2: I already said it was four nothing. So people people know that he gave up the three the three bomb. You can't be like you're predicting that. That
1: was before we were recording. Um, <laughs> okay. I predicted he gave up a three bomb. Right, um, right, right. No, no, but but if you look at who we're competing with, so let's assume Josh that the Yankees win the division. Is that a yeah. safe assumption?
2: The Yankees, yeah. I mean, in, the only way they don't win the entire thing is is injuries. Right, and they seem to be having all their injuries now. So yeah, and even with all the injuries, they're still they're in division. doing fine. Yeah, yeah, and it, it looks like the
1: second place team is gonna be the Rays. Would you say yeah. that's true? Yeah, but it also looks like at least three teams are coming out of the AL East. Well, well, well then it becomes the fight because there's two teams from each division, and then it becomes a fight for the <laughs> the two wild cards, the two wild cards. Yeah. And so I look at the fight being between at this point in the season, the Orioles. The Blue Jays, the Rangers, the White Sox, and the Tigers. I'll put those five teams in there. And
2: I'll say I'm not sold on the Rays yet getting that second-place slot. Okay. I think we need to play the Rays more head-to-head, and then I can decide on that. Okay. Um, I don't trust the Rays yet.
1: Okay. Well, but but anyway, all that to say, the Blue Jays were going to be – if we want to get in the playoff spot, we're going to have to finish ahead of the Blue Jays, yeah. most likely, right? Yeah. I don't think four teams are coming from the and, at East.
2: Right. And the Blue Jays, everyone wants to cheer on the Blue Jays because of them not having a home and then playing in Buffalo and all of this. I think but, a,
1: lot, uh, a lot of young, fun players.
2: Right, yeah. right. Um, but the Blue Jays have been struggling. They haven't played great this year. I think this is also an important series for the Orioles because – Because if we lose to a lesser team, it reminds you of the Marlins. And it it brings things back to that memory of where we were hot, playing great against really good teams, and playing poor against teams below us. So right now, the Blue Jays are below us. Whether or not they truly are worse than us, it's too early to tell. Uh, Because on paper, every team is better than us.
1: Yeah, on paper, sense. on paper, the Blue Jays are better than us. Everyone yeah. in their predictions at the beginning of the season has, had the Blue Jays well, yeah. ahead of us.
2: Pre-season predictions had 29 teams better than us. It's right. going to take a lot for people to believe in the Orioles. I have been convinced I'm believing in this team, but I also know that they could break my heart at any time because that's what they do.
1: All right, so let's talk about percentages. At the beginning of the season, the Orioles had a one3 Percent chance to make the playoffs Mm -hmm. According to Fangraphs And Fangraphs said Hey listen, the only reason their percentage is not zero Like zero point something Is because of a shortened season Shortened season, you know, anything can happen Anything can happen, so now they have a 1.3 chance To make the playoffs That percentage now, according to Fangraphs Is up to 27% To make the playoffs Right. How do you feel about the number, Josh?
2: I Do you think it's low or high? I think 27% is still a little low But I understand it. I'm not going to argue that. I'm I'm fine with that. I think it's more like 30, 40 percent. I was reading that the Orioles need to go what is it, 18 and 21 for the rest of the season, where they'll be at 500, and 500 should get you in the playoffs this year. And 18 and 21 means play below 500. That means they've played so well that you can play below 500 for the rest of the year. So I feel pretty good about our playoff odds uh, based on that article. I will say that I bet $1 for the Orioles to win the World Series because I always enjoy betting for the Orioles to win the World Series. How much you get back?
1: 300 bucks. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> I know. I like those odds. Yeah, but then you're going to be kicking yourself for not putting more oh, than a dollar down.
2: Now, that was a bet that I made right before the season started. I made a second bet on October 31st because I always make a bet at the end of the season. and I. On October 31st, I put twenty, I put ten bucks down, and that gets me twenty five hundred bucks. Oh yeah, so, so you're going to be so, rolling in if they win yeah. the World Series. So when the Orioles win the World Series, uh, um, I'm getting a, uh, some tickets.
1: Yeah, we're, we're, we'll, we'll get rid of Patreon uh, when yeah, when yeah. Yes.
2: the Orioles. Or, you know what? That's a good point. Patreon. We will cancel all Patreons when the Orioles win the World Series. So, sponsor us now, and in two months when they win their World Series, we'll cancel it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, or, or we'll take all the Patreon money and throw a big party. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Um, Josh, i got to be honest, though. Looking at this team, I don't see it at all. I, I see that 27%, and I look at that, and, and in my head, I think 7%. Like, I still mm-hmm. would be well shocked if they made the playoffs.
2: Yeah, and... That's why I say I'm, I'm prepared to. I'm believing in this team, but I'm also prepared to be disappointed. Because I feel like at any point, we're all going to wake up, and they're going to lose the rest of the season. And that's why when you were mentioned in the schedule, that's why this month is so important. Because we don't have to play the Yankees anymore. For the month of August, these next two weeks, we play teams that... On paper, obviously better than us, but on the stand-in are, is currently below us. So it's important to play the – everyone is beaten up on the Red Sox. They suck. It's important. We have four games at the end of this week with the Red Sox. It's important to win all four of those games. We're not going to win all four of those games. I think we can win all four of those games. Like, if, if
1: we can we take have- – if we can take two out of three from, from the Blue Jays and split with the Red Sox, I'd be thrilled.
2: Four? See, I think this week, seven games, three and four, I think you've got to win five games.
1: That's not happening.
2: I think you win two from Toronto and you win three from Boston. Yeah. I yeah. think that's what you've got to do because next week we then have Tampa and Toronto. Right,
1: and so, so that, those Tampa and Toronto's games are huge because that's who's fighting for these two, three, and four spots. Right. And so we, and we play Toronto a bunch the next two weeks, uh, throw Tampa in there. And, yeah, and then the other division team, with Boston, who, I don't know, I'm not convinced that Boston, at some point, like, I think Baltimore will start playing worse. And at some point, Boston has to play better, I would and think. That's,
2: and that's the, that's the, yes. And that's why no one's counting on the Orioles. Because this is supposed to be a mirage, and we all wake up. And I I am reminded of seasons throughout the 14 years of losing that people do not understand, where you and I believed in the Calvary. And we believed. And then for some of those seasons, those first two months, the Orioles were a lot of fun. And then they fell apart. The problem is this season is only two months. So can you hold that up where you would normally do two months and fall apart? Maybe you can do two months and sneak into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, it's true, Josh. It's a good point. There were times, there were seasons where we were excited about the Orioles by the end of May, even in the early June. Right. We were excited. Um, but we it just, we didn't have enough talent to sustain it. Uh, and this year, we don't have enough talent to sustain it either. The question is, can we get off to, to a hot enough start that, yeah, you can play a few games under five hundred and still kind of limp into to the playoffs. And then, you know,
2: anything can and happen, what, you roll the dice. Right, and that anything that can happen is what excites me about this team because they have that fight that if they get into those playoffs, they're not going to just roll over. They're going to fight. And we've seen it with the, uh, you know, we'll always bring up Joe Saunders pitching in Texas because we shouldn't have won that game, but yeah. we did. Yeah. And that's the type of thing I this think. And then to Detroit where team, we beat we the, the
1: three-style young winner, sure. Exactly. But. but but I still look at this team, and I'm I a couple questions come to mind. First of all, is you know I mean we got some players playing really well, and and I think Mike Elias sees the players who are playing well, and gets excited, because it's not to trade them. Yeah, because it's not Austin Hayes playing well. Um, it's not some maybe these. It's not Ryan light lighting the, fi- the Ronald fire. He's not even right. here. Right. It's these veterans who you are looking to trade. So when the season started, your biggest trade chip, who I feel like we've been talking about him as a trade chip for ten years now, was Michael Givens of the bullpen. Yeah. His yeah. ERA is actually zero uh, right. so far this year, and he's striking out. I don't know, like fifteen guys per nine innings. Yeah. He's faced thirty-three batters. He's striking out eleven of them. Yeah. Um, a third of it, the batters he's faced. So he's he's having the best year he could possibly
2: have. <laughs> yeah. um, so he's likely gone. I don't think so. Really? I, the more I watch this team, the more I start to say, well, you know what? The, as, the, as we get further away from the number one draft pick and closer to playoff odds, right now our odds are better to make the playoffs than get the number one draft pick. Sure. And I think the closer we get to that, it's a weird season. And I think Elias has to at some point accept, you don't get to always make a run for the playoffs. Let's get into the playoffs. Let's, let's do that. And I think the trade deadline's weird. The trade market is going to be weird this year with so many teams still in it late with people not wanting to give up a whole lot of talent, with talent not always being on your 60 man that you're even allowed to trade. So I can see Waiten and Cobb and Gibbons having great years and getting traded after the season, okay. Because they all have room on their on. Their, they still have another year. So I can see Elias later in the year saying, "Maybe I shouldn't have traded uh, Richard Blair. If I knew we were going to be winning these games, maybe I would have let him stick around."
1: Okay. Well, here's where you're right, Josh. Here's where you're wrong. So. You're right in that it's a weird season, so I don't know if, player, if, if teams will be giving up a lot to win right. this year. It's just a weird season. I, I don't know what, what effect that will have on the trade deadline. Maybe more teams will stand pat. Where you're wrong is, Mike Elias, here's a guy, Josh, our best player in the organization right now is at Bowie, not even on our team. Our, yeah. our best, Arguably our best hitter. Is not even on our team right now He's at Bowie Arguably uh, If you look at our top five starters uh, You could say two of them Are at Bowie Maybe three In Kramer and Aiken and Bauman I think they're better right now Than Wade LeBlanc is Michael Elias has proven time and time again He does not care about winning this year He doesn't If he cared about winning this year um, Ryan, Mack also would have been on the team from, from Jump um, Street. Um, he'd, be, he'd be looking at bringing up Adley Rushman. He'd be bringing these junk pitchers to, to start because they'll be better than, than, than LeBlanc. I don't he doesn't I- care about winning this year. He doesn't.
2: I think it's a balance, and I think that not caring about winning this season – I think you are going to also – I think the weird season has a lot to do with it because I think you're going to end up evaluating and saying, I can get just as much, if not more, in the off season than I can this year. So I might as well roll the dice. But I don't know. You look at Michael Gibbons with the zero ERA.
1: Yeah. This might be his his high point, right? Like You might say, oh, man, like his, he's not going to do this well all year. Uh, yes. So let but, me capitalize on it.
2: But Gibbons has too much history that I don't know who's really going to believe – Oh, well, for three weeks, Michael Givens put up a zero. So that's what he is now. Like, people are going to look at his full history. I don't think three weeks is enough to change their mind on Givens.
1: Well, we'll see. We, we will see. I think, I think Michael – I mean, I'm curious what – if Michael Elias will take less now – than he would maybe in the off season because he doesn't know what the offseason season I, bring. I, I, I just I don't think Michaelized wants to win. I don't. I am. I don't think wants to win this year. I think he wants to win the World <laughs> Series, but I don't think he wants to get in the playoffs this year. I don't. I don't, I don't think he cares. Right.
2: I am interested in Michael Michaelized's statement that he made at the beginning of the season. That's another reason if, he's going to make trades. About if we're in a playoff push, he could see bringing Adley Rushman up. That's also why I'll start trading everybody. Because because too forward. He doubled down on it last week. And I was like, wait, what are you doing? Now, like in two weeks, we could be making a playoff push. Yeah. And that gets really... And then it comes back to... Hold on. If we're making a playoff push, I don't think Adley Rushman's ready for the majors yet. He played like half a season in single A. And by the way, our two catchers
1: are freaking in fuego right now. So who are you benching? Severino? I mean, he's now number two in every offensive category in in, in Major League Baseball behind uh, Ramuto for the Phillies. Like, he is the second-best catcher in baseball right now. Do you want to bench
2: him for this unproven rookie? Right. Adley got part of a season in Aberdeen. So it's fun to think about Adley Rushman coming up, but has definitely not for the Orioles. I think Juan Soto went single A to the majors. But it's very rare to go, like... Ironbirds isn't even single A. It's low single A. Yeah. And the jump from low single A to the majors, well, I, I don't he, see he did
1: play He did play for a little bit for, for the Shorebirds. Yeah. Which oh, is still, okay. low right, still low single A. It's not Frederick. That's
2: still low single A. I know. I understand. We've had guys like, I believe Ben McDonald went from college to the majors. That sounds right. But that was a different so, time. Yeah. That was a different uh, that's exactly that was my follow up was that was a different time. And I know that we hear all the time that college ball is more like double A ball. But I would be very shocked if Adley Rushman came up. I think it's really interesting about those pitchers. Mount Castle, I would be shocked if we don't see Mount Castle. Because I don't aren't you kind of shocked like. you haven't seen him yet though? I'm a little surprised. But there's this weird thing where We can't see the minor league baseball this year. Like we don't know what's going on in Bowie. Where if he was, if it was a normal year, we can say, oh, he's really struggling. He's not ready to play left field. But what could be happening in
1: practice to see, like, I don't know. I mean, is he that bad? He can't be that bad in the outfield.
2: Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Or why wouldn't you bring him up and say we could use him at first base? He can handle first base. Or even just DH get that, for this year. Just get that bat in the lineup. So I am surprised Mountcastle isn't up yet. Um, especially when I think we we gave, uh, what's his name in the outfield, a, a shot. Uh, um, come on, who, who did we just send down from the outfield? Well, we this, who are you talking no, about? No, no, no. No, the guy... We said this was his year to, to prove oh, D.J. Stewart. D.J.
1: Stewart, yeah, yeah.
2: We gave D.J. Stewart a chance. He couldn't prove it. We've got Cedric Mullins back up now. He's nothing special. I am very surprised Ryan Mountcastle is not up here. But, Josh, you, you know what the answer is. What's the answer?
1: Michael Elias cares yeah. more about development the than he does about winning. He cares more about the future than he does right. about the now.
2: Okay. But all right. But if this team... If this team over the next two weeks wins, whatever, eight games, let's say they go four and seven and four and seven or whatever. Okay. All right? Four out of seven, four out of seven. So they go eight and six over the next two weeks. Yep. Uh, they've already beat everyone's expectations for the year. Yep. Are you to the point – is there a point this year where Mike Elias says, you know what, get these pitchers up in the pen?
1: No, I don't think there's a point. I think there's a point. I think at that point, he's thinking, I'm going to trade guys. We had a great start. No, no, no. I mean, once to get past
2: the trade deadline. Past the trade deadline? End end of the month, trade deadline's over. Does he then bring up any of these young guys, or does does he tell Brandon Hyde, hey, you did an awesome job with what you got out of these guys. Have fun. You guys see what you got, but you're on your own.
1: Are they doing the same thing in uh, September with the expanded rosters that they normally do in a traditional season?
2: I don't think so. I, th- uh, I, th- I don't think so. I think they lower to 28. I think they're going the opposite. Right. I, I mean, I know that they lowered to 26, but they, but they never build back up. I don't think. I mean, when would they build back up? Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Um,
1: yeah, so with expanded rosters, I think the only way that young players come up is if you trade guys or guys get hurt. Uh, but right. even, like, getting hurt. Like, uh, I mean, John Means was out for a while. And then what did they do? Um, They claimed Jorge Lopez, or as Garcello likes to say, George Lopez. So, I mean, that that was a response, not to bring up a young
2: pitcher or not even have Keegan Aiken pitch, right, but to claim a veteran pitcher. So the rule was supposed to be 26 men on the roster and then expand to 28 in September. Okay, yeah. But I believe they may they just decided to keep it at twenty-eight for the whole year after the Cardinals and Marlins went down. Oh, did
1: from they what they I remember. That? Okay.
2: I think so. I feel like we're at twenty-eight still now. Okay. Um
1: so I mean I think about this this team in a couple of different ways. On the one hand, we've had all this success without Ryan Mountcastle. With Austin Hayes being bad and then hurt. And I thought those two guys would be kind of our best offensive players. One of them hasn't, has not never made an appearance. The other guy did not play well and then was hurt. Um, and then John Means, our best starting pitcher. This is almost turning in, Josh, into like a
2: lost season for John Means, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. He's – yeah. He I mean, was hurt. And then uh, – out for his, his dad passed away, and then that rough out-in after that, where they were – even if that in and didn't go rough, they were only going to give – you give him two, three in-ins because he's still working off that injury.
1: Yeah, and he just had – it was coming off like a 15-day layoff or something, or a 12-day layoff. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know, just all the emotional stuff from losing his father, I think right. it's a nice reminder that these players aren't robots. Sometimes we view these players as robots. Uh, and, I, and that's – and I
2: – yes. And that's, you see that in all sports. There's so much father son relation in sports where your dad was your coach or your dad was throwing bat in practice to you or something. So you definitely see that with dads. You think of Michael Jordan having that amazing game after his dad died and stuff. There's so much emotion built into sports and dads.
1: And it's not super common, I feel like, to lose a dad while you're playing because you're still relatively young, right? You're still in your not, 20s or Well, still remember, lose John your Means
2: is older. But he's still, I be, he's younger than us. Yeah, so, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yes.
1: Um, like, the dad's not in his 80s and 90s, right? Right, right. Well, coronavirus. Well, it wasn't related I, I don't think his dad had that, no. But, but yeah, I mean, but, but without your best starting pitcher, and I, I thought our best bullpen arm this year would be Hunter Harvey. We haven't seen him either. Right. So True. minus what I thought would be our best offensive weapons, minus our best starter, minus our best, uh, what I thought would be our best bullpen weapon, and yet, despite all these things, we still have um, we still have a winning record, which is kind of remarkable. On the other Ooh. hand, so that's kind of the glass half full, glass half empty. Um, Austin Hayes' injuries really hurts, right? Yeah. Yes. He was. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because it's not just that you lose Austin Hayes; it's who are you replacing Austin Hayes with? And Cedric Mullins, if you want to. Uh, if you want to talk about how bad Cedric Mullins is at baseball, he was pinch hit for for Chris Davis. Right. If you are pinch hit, if you, if you get pulled out of the game so Chris Davis can hit for you, that's
2: embarrassing. Yeah. What do you – I know you want to talk Cedric Mullins. I don't want to talk Chris Davis. I know. Chris Davis is no fun to talk about. He hasn't been talk about for three years. Yeah. I know. Do you think the Orioles are giving up on Chris Davis? Or do you think they're trying to, behind the scenes, get whatever they saw, whatever happened at spring training, that they're trying to get that back out of Chris Davis?
1: No. No. They, they're not trying to because they can't. Because Chris so, Davis won't let them. Because like, what, uh-huh. what are they going to do, Josh? They're going to go into Chris Davis's, I don't know, uh, by his locker, six feet away, socially distanced, wearing masks. And they're going to say, hey, Chris, um, here's what the, the, the data says, you know. You should maybe swing at more first pitches, or you should lay off, you know, one on one. They're, they're getting you this pitch, you should lay off. And Chris Davis is going to nod his head and then go in the locker room and, and go in the, the weight room and lift more weights and not listen to a single thing that they say because that's who Chris Davis is. Um, and when he's so, 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 no, he's not going to, the, the, the right. team is, is not going to try to fix Chris Davis, and Chris Davis is not going
2: to try to be fixed except so doing his own role- thing. So Davis's role right now to the team is, what, veteran leadership in the clubhouse? Yeah, but I don't think he even is a really
1: good veteran leadership because he won't listen to the team. Is that All your right. leader, the guy who won't listen to the advice the team is giving you? That's your so leader? What, who so fights with you, your manager? That's your leader?
2: Oh, he hasn't fought this year. Yeah, not yet. Wait for it. So why wouldn't you lean on Davis and say, Davis, you should really just, just opt out? for this year. like We understand. Let's just blame the coronavirus. Let's save embarrassment. We won't embarrass you. We'll just say you opt out for the coronavirus. Step away, and then that'll slot in a spot for Ryan Mountcastle.
1: Why would you do that? Why would Chris Davis do that? Why would Chris Davis just walk away from all that money? Why why would the Orioles do that?
2: Do you lose money if you opt out? Yeah. You don't get paid. Alright, well, Davis would opt out because he doesn't need the money. He's getting plenty, yeah. and Josh. This, but instead, it's just a wasted spot on your bench. What, what's happening
1: here is a you know whatever it is hundred million dollar game of chicken,
2: where <laughs> who will blink?
1: Yeah, who will, who will blink first? Because um, will Chris Davis be so bad? I think that's what the Orioles are hoping that Chris Davis will be so embarrassing. And embarrass himself so much. He's talked about it before, right? He's talked before. Was it two years ago? Yeah. Maybe last year. I don't remember. Talked about. No, it was two years ago. Talked about walking away. He thought about right. walking away. So I think right. they're hoping this is. I, I right. literally think this is this Michaelized's plan that he's going to be so bad. If, if I was uh, Hyde, I would only pitch Davis against lefties or really good righties. Except
2: so Chris you- Davis would look as bad as possible. Right, but you can't do that when your rest of your team is playing well and and, and uh, exceed expectations.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, if I was but Hyde, I want to do that. If I was if, if I was Mike
2: Elias, I would make Hyde do that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. If you're Mike Elias, you could force that on him to help you with those draft picks, uh, draft pick slots. Well, but and, and, Hyde wants to win,
1: and it's about the money, right? Because there's a difference, I assume, financially, if Chris Davis quits or if he gets fired, non-tendered or whatever you want to say. Right, and so I right. think they hope that Chris Davis hangs up the cleats, um, as opposed to I think that would be better for the whole feeling and vibe of it too, for the Ordos nor's perspective, as opposed to having to fire him. Um, I don't know what that dude with all does with all the deferred money. Like, I assume he still gets all that money, or
2: uh, uh, at least part of it. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I I assume they'll work out some kind of you know walk away settlement or whatever, but right. But it's, I, I think that's the plan. Like, I think the plan is to just to hope he quits. Because at this point, Josh, he gives nothing to the team. Nothing.
2: Right. He's even been, especially the past last week, he's been struggling defensively. And that's always been the thing is, all right, well, he's a gold glove first baseman. But he has not been playing that way. Yeah, I now, mean, it, I it was do, interesting. There was that moment, right, think, with Ruiz. Yes. Is that what
1: we're going to talk about?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. where we lost the game because of a, a poor throw by Ruiz that Nunez could not quite glove. And I do think that Davis could have gloved that. He, that yeah, is, he, oh, Davis. He's a better scooper than Nunez. Yeah, he's good at that. He does like this little split to grab the ball. So I think that's one of those things where I think Davis not being in the lineup that day lost the Orioles the game.
1: Yeah, but... Being able to scoop an occasional baseball is, is not... Yes. It doesn't and add enough to right. your team if Davis to is at the plate,
2: him. If Davis is at the plate that entire night striking out, uh, then you're probably not in that position where it's, you're in the game that way. So, yeah, of course. But then when you pinch hit him, I felt bad for Davis. I feel bad for Davis, too. Davis is a good human. He seems, I, all accounts, to be a really good person. Yes. But I felt bad for Davis because that strikeout, when he came in to pinch it for Cedric Mullins and he struck out where he just looked at the ball the entire time, I was so irritated at Davis. Like, why are you not swinging? And then I think it was uh, Cisco that came up right after Davis and did not swing at a pitch either. Yeah, was that
1: Rainey, I think, pitching? had yeah, nasty stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, Rainey was throwing nasty stuff. And because it was Davis, I got upset because I'm like, oh, it's typical Davis. Now they are called strike. When they, when like... He struck out like three guys, like without a swing and swinging. Yeah, three guys without so, swinging. The guy's given yeah. up, I think, one hit all year. He's been nasty. Right, right. Yeah. So I felt bad for, for it was not, an, it was definitely not a an opportunity for Davis to succeed. Yeah. I put Davis in a really tough situation coming cold off the bench against one of the, yeah.
1: you know, one of the best pitchers currently. In, right, in,
2: uh, right. Struggling at the, the plate all season, yeah. and yeah, their best pitcher. Yeah. So I felt for him a little bit in that situation. I was angry with him at the time and then after the inning I was like, Oh, how why would I expect anything else? Yeah, you think Manager Hyde put him in that position to fail? No. I think Manager Hyde put him in that position Because he knew Cedric Mullins would fail. There's no way Cedric Mullins was hitting that ball. He
1: could have maybe bunted. Cedric Mullins is a good bunter. (laughs) Get him up there. Have
2: him him bunt for Maybe Cedric Mullins could have bunted the ball.
1: But don't you think that him trying to bunt is a better chance than Chris Davis? As manager Hyde said, oh, we hope he
2: run into one. Well, I believe there was a guy on first base. There was a man on base. Was there? I believe so. I th- no, I think it was. Because uh, I felt like I just wanted empty. Davis. No, I, someone was on base. Okay. Because I remember thinking all Davis has to do is connect and then the guy can tag up and get to second. He might have even been on second. I think it was Velasquez or Velenke, one of those Vs. Was on first or second? I'd have to go play. Yeah, it back. Now,
1: now you're starting to remember, but maybe Velasquez got the double and Velasquez yeah. pinch hit, I think, uh, pinch ran. Maybe, maybe that's true. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And I think he was on second because my thought was all he's got to do is hit it deep, and that'll get him to third. I think he was on first, and he stole second or something like that. And yeah, my thought was it, Davis could at least hit it deep where Cedric Mullins would strike out. But it does suck, and it does show lack of confidence in Cedric Mullins that he you're being pinch hit in a big. Put a big spot in a game by Chris Davis.
1: Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. I mean, we're looking at the lineup today, Josh, and this is why I'm not optimistic for the playoffs where um, you have Velasquez. When does, the, when does our lineup ever look good? But, but if you look at the bottom three, Holiday, which I don't know why he's still in the roster, Holiday, but he's catching for us today. What um, you mean with his
2: 3 3 batting average.
1: Yeah, like, why is not Cisco in there? Because, I mean, it's because the lefty's pitching, but still, seriously. Um, I mean, that's why. But Velasquez at shortstop, who's not a great hitter. Mullins, who cannot hit at all. So our, our
2: last three guys are just automatic outs. And, I don't know, that... that oh, and Velaka, or whatever, is in left field, Vileca. and he struggles at the plate, too. I mean, this team is being paid, carried by Severino, Nunez, Ruiz... And uh, Santander and Alberto. Oh, and Alberto Alberto.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the guys we're missing there Are two really important bets Austin Hayes yes. and Iglesias Who's dealing with this stupid leg thing for the entire season Right, right,
2: you're right so, But that also, that then pushes more On the stress of how important this week is Because you've got to beat these teams Without those guys
1: Yeah, and I, and I honestly don't think I don't think we can do it I don't think we can Yeah, it's going to be tough So but I hope we uh, can but, Josh, I, I also want to, to say this. What's the, what's the story of the year so far with the Orioles? What's the, the top story, that, the, the thing that has emerged this season that's been kind of the most important thing about the Orioles?
2: Anthony Santander. Absolutely right. Because he, we did not know if he was part of the future. I think we all now buy in that what Dan Duquette saw on him is true, and he is the, he is the future outfielder.
1: Yeah, last year there was kind of John Means, right, who kind of yes. was good, but not, not, not even, just kind of came, came out of nowhere and was great, and Santander, uh, I mean, people knew about him a little bit more, but still, kind of coming out of nowhere into kind of the superstar yes. year. I mean, Rule 5 guy, right, how many Rule 5 guys turned into superstars? Yeah. Jose Batista, Right, and even that was kind of
2: well after the Rule 5 year. Kurt Schillen. Was he a Rule 5 guy? I don't know. He was an Oriole, I, didn't we lose him by Rule Five draft or something? No, he I don't was remember. traded. Um, right, I did, oh yeah, yeah, never mind. We traded him.
1: Yeah, um, but the, I mean, uh, I guess if Ryan you love Ryan Flaherty, Ron Flaherty.
2: Yeah. Darren O'Day, Darren O'Day was a Rule Five guy. Yeah, there you go.
1: Um, so I mean, you proved my point. Like it's, it's hard to come up with his names, and so the fact that he could be a superstar, and this year he looks like a superstar.
2: Are those two balls that he hit on Sunday. He crushed those balls down in, down into the flag court in Utah Street. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah he looks no, like a
1: superstar. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's a great story. I also think, like, it's really good that you, you, you mentioned our offense being carried by Alberto Nunez-Ruiz. Right. Those, that, those, those are infielders. Right. Um, our top prospects are outfielders. So yes. if Reeves all of a sudden, and I don't know if he is, I'm not ready to say if Reeves is the answer at third for our future, but if Reeves is the answer at third, that's huge. Because that, that's one kind of big question mark where we don't have the prospects there. We don't have prospects at short or second. So if, if Alberto emerges as kind of a legit major leaguer, and if he's not traded, which I think he could be, um, and if Reeves emerges as a legit kind of third baseman, I think that's huge for our, for our future.
2: Yeah, totally. Ruiz, he's not that old. He's, the, he's only been in the game like four years. So, uh, yeah, that could be huge to have guys like that in our infield and really help us get to that 2023 20, year that we keep talking about.
1: Yeah. Like uh, that's said, that, you know, also, I was looking at this before the pod. Uh, Pedro Severino is sneaky young. Like when the season started, Severino was 26. Like he just Severino's only 26. He just turned 27. I thought he was like 36.
2: Yeah, I thought. Why well, do I think Severino was old? I thought he was like this old gritty veteran. I know. I looked up. I
1: looked up the numbers because I could, And I for some reason I thought like this was this was it for, for him in Baltimore, but he doesn't become a free agent until 2024. Um, so and he's just yeah he's just he just turned uh, 27, and so oh yeah, and
2: he didn't really. He didn't really get regular playing time until 2018. 2018, he was in 70 games.
1: Right, and that's when he was um, cut by the Nats, and we picked him up uh, off waivers. Yeah. And he had a good year last year, and this year he's playing great. Um, I'm just All curious right. to see what they do with the Cisco, the Severino. One with, of them is going to get traded. With at least one. With, uh, you know, the... With Holiday, yeah. With, with holiday, holiday looming in the background, ready to take... <laughs> Ready to be the future for the right, franchise. Right, right, Holiday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's an interesting little dilemma we'll have to deal with.
2: Right, right. Uh, I mean, it's not a bad dilemma, though. And that's the thing is... And that's also part of this is, like, watching these guys. We all believe in Santander there, however you say his name. But what about the future and how many... Like you were saying, Ruiz, can he stick around? Um. Oh, and how many of these are going to be career years, and then you never see these guys again?
1: Yeah, yeah. Could you and even like John Means? I'm sorry, John Means I'm had a great very year last questionable year. Questionable now.
2: Yeah. yeah. Are
1: you convinced that he can do what he did last year? You know, for the next five years? I, I don't know. Um, I wonder about John Means. Um, I think two young players who I've been super impressed with. Um, I've talked all the time about Chancisco in here. I just really like Chancesco, and he's a guy who was a dead like he he was looking like a failed prospect. All before this year, so I'm so thrilled he's having a good year. I think he's literally saving his major league career this year. By having the year he is. The other guy to me that's been even more impressive than Chancisco, a young player who I was uncertain about his future. Friend of the show, Tanner Scott. Um, Ta- Tanner Scott has been. Great. That's another great story this yeah. year. Yes, um, he's he is he was. I used to joke. I joke. I made a joke uh, when we interviewed him. I joked that he should just walk the first guy, just to save everybody time. Just tell the first batter to go to first base, because you walk one out of every three guys anyway, um, which is probably a mean joke to make. Right. But he's he's corrected that. Like he doesn't he doesn't walk guys um, like he has in the past. His location it seems to be on point, point. and I thought his velocity was down a little bit last year. It's back up to throwing in the upper 90s. I would like to see hit a hit a, a hundred just because I'm a triple digit kind of guy, but you know he hits 98 consistently. So and and with good location, so Tanner Scott has just been um, a great story. And without Hunter Harvey, which is unfortunate, um, hopefully Hunter Harvey gets. But where is Hunter Harvey? Has anyone seen Hunter Harvey? Um, but at least t- t- Tanner Scott seems to be taking the next level. So he's someone it looks like you can count on for the back end of your bullpen going forward. Uh, I think the jury's still out with maybe Miguel Castro and. Certainly with Evan Phillips and Cody Carroll and those guys.
2: Right. Um, yeah, I think it is. We did get to see Keegan Aiken this, this week.
1: Yeah, because after just making
2: us wait and wait and wait. Right, right. He sat in the pen for what seemed like forever. Um, are you concerned with Keegan Aiken? He, he pitched three innings. Um But ended up, first two innings looked great, and then that third inning he struggled. So he gave up three runs. What do you think? Good performance from Keegan or? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Too early to even determine anything. Of course it's too early.
1: But I don't understand, Josh, why we have to watch LeBlanc every fifth game and we can't watch Keegan Aiken.
2: I, I had the same thought. And the thing I was pushing was for that, split game where we played the partial game. Why don't you let Keegan Aiken take that game? He's never came out of the pen in his career. He's always been a starter in the minors. So why wouldn't you just let him start that split game unless he wasn't on the roster for that game maybe on Sunday? So maybe he couldn't have been used. I don't know. But it seems like I'd like to see this guy start. I don't want to see him out of the pen. I want to see him start and not have to clean up someone else's mess.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you're looking at a guy who's not, like, one of your young top prospects. I mean, the the dude's 25 years old, right? Right. He pitched, and he's gone through it, right? Like, two years ago, he pitched the entire year at Bowie, you know, 25 games. Last year, 25 games at Norfolk. Pitched the entire year with Frederick. And so, natural progression this year at 25, like, let's... Let's see what you got in Keegan Aiken. Like he seems to be like there's no – unless he's working on like another pitch at Bowie or something that you don't want to reveal. But why can't he work on that pitch in the majors? I don't think you're – he can't be that much worse than LeBlanc. And I would think the Orioles would want going into next year to know what you have. Do you have a guy, Keegan Aiken, who you can count on to be your fourth or fifth starter next year? Because right now right, it's looking yeah. like they're going to start him back at Triple-A, and that's, the starters at Triple-A are going to get crowded if you just push everybody back to Triple-A
2: again. Yeah, I'm with you. LeBlanc has started four games. He's pitched in 17 innings, and he's given up 14 runs. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't think Keegan Aiken could do worse. And I'm, I'm, Maybe I'm picking LeBlanc, but I'll even
1: take him over Malone or, or um, have him piggyback off of uh, John Means because John Means can't get past the first inning. Like, I, I don't understand why Keegan Aiken's not filling some sort of consistent role so you can kind of figure out w- what you have in him. Because you know what you have in Malone. You know what you have in LeBlanc. You know what you have to a certain extent in Wojciechowski. It would seem like this would be a really good time to figure out, can Keegan Aiken next year be part of your starting five? Or yeah. is he going to be surplus?
2: Depth? Yeah, no. I think that's... Uh, I think you would... And again... That's the balance of – this is season kind of weirdly split between what Mike Elias wants to see and what Brandon Hyde wants to do with this season. Who's what holding Mike taking Aiken, Aiken
1: back, you think? Is this a
2: Hyde decision right, or is like, this uh, an
1: Elias decision?
2: Exactly. And, like, is the holdout on Aiken – was the holdout to wait until a, a situation where he, he won't blow the game because we're trying to win – or is this, like, uh, yeah, because Elias would be like, get him out there, let him develop. And is there a, is there a struggle? We always t- talked about the struggle between Duquette and, uh, and Buck not getting along and, and on decisions on the same page. Are Elias and Hyde on the same page for this season? Because you're right. The, we would think that they wouldn't be, that Elias would be looking to next year and the year after and development, and Hyde would want to win now. But I, and I'll say that Hyde has totally earned my respect this year, and I totally believe in Hyde and see Hyde as a manager of the future for the Orioles, not a placeholder anymore. I love the way he manages games. He seems to make the right calls for pitchers. He seems to make the right calls for pinch hitters. And I like the way Brandon Hyde manages this team.
1: All right, I, I think the jury's still out of manager Hyde. but
2: uh, Sure. But...
1: Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I just don't get the Keegan Aiken thing. I kind of get the Ryan Castle thing, with development. Fine, you could argue that. And if you're not really trying to win, why not keep him down? He's one of your top prospects. I c- c- kind of get that argument. I don't see any. I don't. I don't understand why you wouldn't have Keegan Aiken pitch
2: in some games. I really don't get that at all. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Except for if you don't trust him yet and you're trying to win games.
1: I mean, even the decision to. Claim Jorge Lopez, and maybe Jorge Lopez will turn into be a decent pitcher.
2: But I, w- I was impressed by Cor- by Jorge Lopez. Oh,
1: he was great in in, in relief. But it, I mean, you look at his career numbers. His career numbers are terrible.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason Kansas City dumped him. Yeah, the
1: ERA. You look at like eight for him. His career. His career ERA is in 200 innings pitched is an ERA of six. So. All right. But he's, I guess, better than Keegan Aiken.
2: Yeah, I don't know. She's not sure. And maybe he is, uh-huh. but let's find out. Right, right. You've got to put Keegan Aiken out there in order to learn and, and figure out whether or not he's part of the future. But, but you're right. Uh, we, we don't see Bowie's practices.
1: So, so maybe he yes. spends all of his practices in the dugout drinking beer and eating fried chicken. I don't know.
2: Maybe yeah, that's it. I mean, it's where we're at. I mean, and it's, it's just like you were saying about Hunter Harvey. Because of how this season is so weird, we don't know what the deal is with Hunter Harvey. We don't know if he's ever even going to pitch this season.
1: Yeah, but at least Hunter Harvey showed us last year that he has kind of the, 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 the stuff to,
2: to get major league hitters out. We, we don't yeah, even Hunter know that's true. Because we've never even seen them. True. Hunter Harvey showed us enough to know that he's part of this future. If you can not get hurt, yeah. Yes. So I saw people online complaining and saying Dan Duquette was one of the worst GMs the Orioles have ever had. And their examples were, um, it was Jake Arrieta and Dylan Bundy leaving and playing better. And that we did not sign Nelson Cruz and that we did not sign um, uh, Andrew Miller to long-term contracts in Baltimore. And that if we did that, we would end the fact that he did not, that he had the best team the Orioles have ever had and didn't win a World Series. And I think that's a little recency, recency bias. And I think you got to look more at a guy that was picked off from Rule Five like Anthony Santander to say Dan Duquette knew a little bit of what he was doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would make the argument that at least I in think, my lifetime, he's the best GM we've ever
2: mm-hmm. had. Yes. If you were watching. If you think Dan Duquette is the worst manager at GM ever, you were not around before 2012. You never saw Sid Thrift. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and I think McPhail. I think McPhail
1: was pretty good. Um, yeah. I think Duquette was pretty good. I think they're both pretty good. I it's mean, just like, I mean, this yeah. roster is mostly Duquette guys, right? And 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 also when he we were, we were here, let's, let's not forget, we won a lot of games. I mean, you, right. you made the playoffs 2012. Uh, we went won the the AL East. Won the AL East, right? That sounds like such a foreign thing. Yes. But yes. in 2014, we won the AL East. Right. Um, he made that brilliant signing um, that, that year too, with, with Nelson Cruz, that one-year yeah. deal in February.
2: Um, and I think there's a lot of, I keep forgetting that we're old. And that means there's a lot of young guys. And these young people, one, they became Oriole fans with the Orioles winning. They didn't deal with the 14 seasons that we dealt with they didn't deal with the Orioles before that, when the Orioles were good and winning. And then I see that with, I see a lot of people saying, oh, this season's giving me that 2012 uh, feels. And this season doesn't remind me of 2012 at all. I get it that they weren't expected to win, the, to win a lot, and they did in 2012. But we saw some flashes in 2011 to give us a little bit of hope in 2012. There were no flashes last year, and this is what I talked about on my daily this morning. This reminds me of the 89 season where you fielded the worst team on baseball in 88 and then you brought a whole bunch of names that no one had ever heard of into camp and they started winning baseball games it's way more of that 89 feeling but I think a lot of the Oriole fans on Twitter because Twitter skews younger and that Twitter Birdland Twitter is younger so those guys don't have Oriole fandom memory Beyond 2012, and if they do, and if they say, "Oh, I was an Oriole fan my whole life," they were probably a kid before 2012 and not really understanding Orioles baseball.
1: Yeah, I love your daily because you just you and that little rant there because you just crush young people. You say young people, you're dumb because you're young. I love it. But that's what I do most of the time, (laughs) whether it's baseball or not.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm totally turning into that old man that yells off his porch. Yeah. Like, you'll find
1: things to criticize with everybody. Like, yep. people criticize them for signing Mark Trumbull and not re signing
2: um, Nelson Cruz. Uh, yeah, giving Davis the contract and, and instead of Machado or whatever. Yeah. And, but at the time,
1: you I, if you recall, the Nelson Cruz thing, well, first of all, no one, no one thought Nelson Cruz would continue to put up these numbers. The guy's <laughs> yeah. like 60 years old now, still got so, like huge numbers. Yeah. yeah, no one saw that. Right. Um, you could. Wasn't, people wasn't thought that Mark Trumbullstein signing was bad. I, I get that. Chris Davis, if you remember, that was a lot of ma- a lot of owner ownership involved in that deal too. That wasn't yes. just Dan Duquette. That was some serious ownership involved Remember,
2: the whole thing with with Chris Davis was like uh, the candle is out or something. That candle's burned out. Dan Duquette made some comment like that. Yeah. And then uh, wasn't it like Brady Anderson and ownership got involved and kind of went around Duquette and signed them? Yeah, yeah. That was, that was ownership de,
1: uh, de, 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 uh, dry, driving that deal. So criticize Peter Angelos.
2: Add it to the yes. list of reasons why you hate P- Peter Angelos. Oh, um, people love to hate Peter Angelos, too. Especially those people who didn't deal with the crap of Peter Angelos. Like, again, since 2011, 2012, Peter Angelos has been great. No complaints with Peter Angelos. Yeah. pulled out the pulled out the statues, brought some family in, had winning in baseball in Baltimore. The hatred of Peter Angelos goes from about 1998 to 2011. Those were the years to hate on Peter Angelos.
1: Yeah, and and, and now we live in kind of the the John and Lou Angelos reign, right? Like it's it seems like Peter's not really involved in the team and yeah. John and Lou's philosophy is not at all the Peter Angelos philosophy. Their philosophy seems to be kind of hands off, right? Yes.
2: Yeah. Here's the money, here's the paycheck. We trust you.
1: Yeah. Now we'll see. The question is Josh though, in 2022, 2023 in those off seasons, will we open up the checkbook to sign, you know, a big starting pitcher to sign a big bet
2: and to help us get over the hump? That that's going to be the question. And that's what's going to be interesting about this coming off season. If this team overperforms and this continues for the whole season, then all of a sudden it's do you spend money this off season and push that 2023 deadline up to 2022? Do you jump up a year and say let's 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 go let's go?
1: Yeah, but Josh, you keep on doing that. What evidence, based on what Mike Elias has done thus far, do you think he's going to rush anything? He's just so. Predictable and deliberate and slow about doing, and he's not lying. Like he says, this is what we am gonna do. I'm increasing, ta- yeah. he's still increasing talent mode. That's where he is, increased yeah.
2: talent mode in the organization. Right, right. But I don't, okay, I, I'll give you it. I don't know if him pushing a deadline up where signing a veteran for for two years instead of one year, or doing a three year deal instead of a two year deal, instead of signing a veteran in 2023, signing a veteran in Or instead of signing him in 2022, sign him in 2021. I don't know if that's a big difference in the timeline. You know, speaking of which, you just made me think of it.
1: What do we know what's going on with Yossiel Puig? Anyone seen him recently? Yeah. What's what's up with him? He's a free agent. Right. How come no one is, is even trying to sign him?
2: because he got the
1: coronavirus.
2: Is that a lifetime thing when you get the coronavirus? No, no. but I don't know why cuz and if I was the Orioles especially with Hayes hurt, I would reach out. And I haven't seen anyone it went to it it went to I guess him deciding he would opt out, but because of this, but I would still reach out to him and say, "Hey, well,
1: what, why how, isn't how's another it team reach out to him? That that seems weird to me." But but that makes me think of I, I thought of that when you were saying that because Michael Elias did sign a better in this offseason in Iglesias. He was in talks with signing Puig. I think what Elias really likes is a good deal. And he got a really good deal on Iglesias, right? And I think he was looking, okay, maybe I can get a good deal in Puig. And so I think this offseason, I don't know how ownerships are gonna kind of react I, to not making money this year, to losing right. money this year. And so I wonder if. Um, to your point, if Elias will say, oh, I can get this veteran on a really good deal, you know, one year, two years, yeah. um, and then either helps us win or flip him at the deadline. But I think Elias is looking for those deals, right? Kind of like Dan Duquette with the one-year Nelson Cruz signing. That's kind of the Iglesias one-year with a second-year option was kind of a good deal signing. And I wonder how many... Um, Good deal signings will be available next year as kind of teams react to this I, this new financial situation.
2: Yeah, I like your timing because it's one month ago on July seventeenth that we tweeted his last tweet, which said, "I am sorry to share with my fans and friends, I have tested positive for COVID nineteen. Although I tested positive, I am asymptomatic and feel absolutely fine. I will be quarantined until I receive two negative tests, which I hope to arrive shortly." I am sad that this is happening, but believe that everything is in God's timing and my return to MLB will happen in his perfect plan and timing for me. So he didn't say, I'm not playing this year. Yeah. He just said he's only going to play
1: when God lets him and God hasn't let him
2: yet. (laughs) Right. Why didn't he say when Elias lets him? (laughs) So um, I don't know why there hasn't been any talk about him. You would think people would reach out. But: uh, Yeah, it's, just, it's interesting, right? That- I, think the, I think the Orioles will reach. I think the Orioles could reach out. Um, Brennan Hyde did say on 1057 today that he said, "Well, I've seen Puig play a lot, because uh, we played the Dodgers. There's no doubt about it. He's an impact. There's definitely a presence in the box, great defender. So yeah, I think that anybody that's that talented can help out a club would be a friend for sure. So, I mean, I guess maybe, but I don't know. You're right. I haven't seen anyone make that call.
1: Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice if the Orioles could do like a two-year deal, right? Give them for the rest of this year and then going into next year. um, Yeah. Because I think you're still going to have those. I mean, I would love the idea of uh, Hayes, Santander, (laughs) and
2: Puig Outfield. That sounds good to me. If, If you search Puig in Twitter, it's fun because you see Orioles fans saying, Hey, Orioles, how about Puig? Hey, Padres, how about Puig? Yeah. Hey, Marlins, how about Puig? Hey, Mets, how about Puig? Hey, Brewers, how about Puig? How, hey, Reds? It's just weird. I, I, I haven't heard
1: any reporters reporting that you know, teams are interested in Puig. Like, no, has been nothing. Yeah, it's just weird.
2: Yeah, it's weird, and it is. It's, it's fans want Puig. And Puig. Ha- if I was Puig, I would post on Twitter, hey, I've, I'm negative for coronavirus. It's all clear. I've passed two negatives, I'm ready to play.
1: Yeah, and then take a video of him in his backyard hitting baseballs or something. <laughs> exactly.
2: Right, or, right, right. Or, or playing in a softball <laughs> something, league. Something to be like, hey, I'm out here. I'm alive.
1: Yeah. It's
2: weird. Um,
1: Alright, Josh. Let's get out of here. We gotta I gotta watch in this game. Are you still feel good about your
2: were making a comeback tonight? Uh Sure. I, I, is it the seventh inning yet? I, sorry, I've been doing a podcast and not watching the Oriole game. Oh, yeah. Bottom of the seventh, so, down 5-1. All right. The seventh inning has been the magic inning for the Orioles. So I will think that as soon as we sign off on this show, they're going to score three runs and get back right, right back in this game. Sounds good to me. So I would love that. Uh, I hope they can do that. I, hope, I would love to see the Orioles... The Orioles have really gotten people's attention in the past couple weeks. If they can really play well and take advantage of these seven games, they'll really start getting some attention. It was fun to see MLB Network today praise the Orioles.
1: Yeah, it's true. And, and you're right. Next week, when we record on Monday, we'll have a lot more clarity in the direction of the season. If they yes. do five and two as opposed to two and five, they're gonna be, we're going to have much different conversations, right? Totally. Based, based on that seven game stretch.
2: Yep. Way different. Uh, yeah, hopefully they're well past your predicted win total. I hope and cl- so. And, and right on top of my win, win total. Yeah, I hope so. And, and, and that's the case. Yeah, we're going to be talking and praising, and you'll be on board with this team if they do that well. Absolutely. Well, so. All right, boys and girls. Right. Make sure you check out 336ER.com and help us out there with your Patreon with your uh, 336 pennies a month.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you can listen to Josh do his dailies every day. So make sure you subscribe not only to Section three three six, but Section three three six daily.
2: Three three six daily, no section in that.
1: Fine, three three six daily. Um, and write us a five star review on iTunes. We appreciate that as well. Yeah, it all helps. It all helps. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Section three three six. You can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Tarucha. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go Oats.
2: go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out.
0: Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. I'm sorry, I can't operate on that vehicle. But doctor, you took an oath. That RV, it's my son's rv oh doctor isn't there anything you can i'm not a miracle worker sheila i'm an rv surgeon trained to save the lives of large injured recreational vehicles which is definitely a real profession when your rv really needs saving progressive has you covered see if you could save with a leader in rv insurance progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates subject to policy terms this week at macy's find valentine's day gifts for all your loves like fragrance gift sets they'll adore